and welcome to another episode of our podcast, Discipleship Bible Study Group, or DBSG, as we call it here, where we explore the Bible, Christianity, and the Word to find out how we as Christians can live better lives. When we're exploring it, we do it with a twist. We add a little bit of technology, science, and astronomy as well to enlighten us about what is it that Christ and God want for us as Christians to do here on earth. Uh, through this podcast, we explore various issues uh, from national to personal. And we often bring in some guests. And today we're very uh, pleased and honored to have a special guest with us to help share in the fellowship that we discuss on our podcast. I'm your host, Brother Rob, and uh, my co-host is Brother Fred. Say hello, Brother Fred. Hello, hello, hello out there. And uh, today we have a very... A very interesting topic that touches, I think, everybody. Uh, we're going to be talking about children today. So whether or not you have children, we all have the experience of being concerned about the young people in our world and their future that lies ahead of them, especially yes. when it's signed with Christ. So yes. um, with that said, I'm going to throw it over to Brother Fred, who's going to expound on our episode today. Okay. Thank you for that wonderful uh, introduction, uh, Brother Rob. Uh, and before I introduce our esteemed guests for this evening, uh, I just want to give you the topic once again. It's all about the children. That's the name of this episode tonight. And I have two leading scriptures before I uh, let our special guests just blow our head up with some uh, knowledge, firsthand knowledge about children, because this individual works every day with children. And I, he is a very blessed man. I, I can't do it. I survived 20 years of military life, but working with kids every day, I cannot do. So <laughs> to him, to me, he's, he's a man of great blessings, uh, intense wisdom. And I've, I've known him for just a few years and I've been very blessed to have him in my life. So the leading scriptures before I introduce our esteemed esteem guest tonight is uh, Luke 1817. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. That's Luke 1817. And the second scripture is Mark 937. Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Amen, amen. and amen. 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 If that doesn't tell you how <laughs> Jesus Christ feels about our children, yes. nothing else will. Yes. Amen. So yes. I'm going to introduce our special guest, Brother Daryl. But to me, you're, you are, I call you big brother because you have always, since I've known you, and that's since 2016 when, uh, um, brother yeah, Brother Daryl is a fellow thespian actor. He's a great actor. Uh, he's a father, husband. He works very hard. He has a personal mission that he's doing. And I, listener, you're going to love hearing what that is. God has embarked him on a special mission, and I've never heard anything like it on, on a personal level. I've heard companies doing it, but no one on a personal level. So we're going to have some fun tonight. So we have three topics of discussion, depression in children, 
the COVID-19 in children and probably the biggest uh, thing that's going on in our country, America today, is gun violence in our schools. Uh, yes. So we're going to start with depression in children. And Brother Darrell, yes. what is going on with, in his schools with depression? I got to be very honest with you, Brother Fred. A lot of what the children have experienced, I would say in the last one and a half to maybe two years, has had a very big effect on our children. And it has had an effect on them mentally, physically, and sexually. Because a lot of them have experienced some of what they've been going through behind closed doors that we never knew about within their own families, for one. A lot of them had to deal with being subject to being, uh, in, their, in their estimation, caged in because they couldn't go out. They were told that they had to stay in. And they were in fear of what they were told on the news. So a lot of them didn't, didn't. Then you had some that were daredevils. But then after a while, you didn't see any children out there because you didn't hardly see any adults out there. So this was a big, big change for them. And one of the things you have to also consider is for uh for certain, for certain populations of young people, and I, I don't, I don't want to just point out one particular one, but when you throw off their pattern in their schedules, it, it just throws them in total disarray. When you compound all of that, man, them, the pent-up frustrations from being home for one and a half years, the online frustrations of working in school online for one and a half years and then thinking that things was going to turn out all right. And it was, a you know, at the first time, it was just, uh, what, six months to almost a year. Then it turned out to be a year and a half. So they had to continue doing that. That took away some of the angst of not being able to be in a social contact with one another. It just added to the angst, I might as well say. And now we are seeing it. See, I don't, I don't, I would say this in, in our particular area, uh, um, because I don't want to disclose names, uh, at our township, the elementary schools the students are doing great because they are hungry and they have an interest and they have they have teachers that are really giving them uh, um, challenges and they're meeting those challenges. You know, you got a lot of kids that that are, are, are joining the band that are not even musically challenged, but they're willing to go to music school to go to music class to learn because they see something that 
interest them. They're willing to step outside the box. They're all willing to do that in elementary school. It's, the problem is when they get to middle school, you're talking about a, an entirely different, <laughs> it's like a, a split personality generation. You understand? Because they leave from one school, which is more than likely a, a controlled environment. When you got from kindergarten to age, uh, I would say sixth grade, it's more or less of a more controlled environment. But when you get to middle school, it all depends on the township, the principal, uh, also the connection with the community, all of that factors, man. And the other problem is this, see, within our township, as of lately, I found out, we've been receiving students from other townships that have been being kicked out of their townships and they've been coming to our township. So they're bringing that same monster mentality right into our townships and we have to deal with it. But I, I have a question for you, if you don't mind. What's that? Um, the, do you, in your township, do you have like a last chance school that's well known? Is that why you're getting those students or is it just that your district is accepting them into your general population? Well, uh, I think it has a lot to do with us being right next door. It's, it's not the, the other township, it's, it's mainly being the township right next door. And for some reason, we have some type of political connection with them, I would say, because usually if you don't live in our township area, it's declared that you can't come to our school, but yet, it's happening, so you know what I'm saying? Uh, and we're trying to negate those behaviors because see now, see the last few years, we've only been the 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. However, they've been indoctrinating some of the freshmen into our system because the middle school used to be seven, eight, and nine. It still is but only a certain amount of freshmen are in our school now. And they're bringing that, all of that negativity that they bought from the middle school, a lot of them are bringing into this. But not all of them, I would say a lot of them. Uh, right now, <laughs> when school started, I, I said to myself, and I said to some other, other persons, I wonder how long it's gonna take for them to start showing their true colors. And when, when we say true colors, we don't mean that in, in racial overtones. We mean their, their behaviors. I tell you, I'm glad my granddaughter's not in my school. And, and I'm glad that she's in programs where, uh, and, and has, a, has the upbringing where she can be more respectful because a lot of stuff that we're seeing now, we didn't see that in the beginning. They came in like quiet little lambs and now all of a sudden that pent up frustration is coming out. Last week we had 17 fights. Another township had 18 fights. Now, let's say three years ago, what were the stats with uh, fighting among the children? 
How long ago you said? Three years ago. So pre pre COVID, 2019, 2018. I'm sure the stats were much lower. Um, oh, definitely, definitely. Right. I I would say we might have averaged uh, maybe three fights a week on an average, but it sometimes it could have been less because see we have a no talented. Uh, uh, principal, uh, former boxer. Also, uh, he, you know, he could tell, you could tell, to me, he's the modern day, um, uh, what's the part that uh, Morgan Freeman played? Joe Clark. A, yes, yes. He's a modern day Jim Clark. And I support him 100%. Really do. Really now, do. do you feel um, looking at your school and others, other schools in your district and around the area, because I'm, I'm sure you have um, a lot of visibility into a lot of their programs and other schools. Are we fighting a, a losing battle here? I mean, I know it's a lot going on. You got COVID, you got um, uh, overall depression. And I'm about to read you some stats about depression way before COVID got here to show that right. depression was already going up in this country. Um, you have mass shootings, which has been on the rise, and that's probably creating a lot of that stress that I'm going to read in, in the stats here. Are, are we really fighting a losing battle, or, or is this something that we're, we're getting a, starting to gain a handle on? Uh, in, in, in my opinion, I would say we're not fighting a losing battle because the more positive-minded people and spiritual-minded people that we can get to connect with some of these young people, it can change. It could be a trickle-down effect. Because, see, Fred, you have to understand, Fred, for me, um, I had that opportunity with my family, but then I became so rebellious. Uh, my father didn't spend much time in, at home because, I mean, he took care of home, but he, he was jazzed, you know, up in Harlem and, you know, so I didn't get lessons from him that I should have learned. And that's my fault because I didn't ask questions that I should have because of my rebelliousness. Now, my rebelliousness is different from these young men's rebelliousness now because a lot of them are fatherless. I hate to put it that way. And I know some adults that are, are fatherless. And, and it's a shame it's that way. But history has shown that, that it's that way. We have to change it, though. We have to connect with some of these young men that don't have fathers in their lives. And some of the young ladies. Talk to some of the young men as well as some of the young ladies. And two of the young ladies that have been involved in two different fights, I don't know what, where they're headed, but I'm going to keep on chiming in their, their ear, and they know it, because I already told them. And, you know, another thing that's, I'm not sure about other townships, but in my township, a lot of the teachers are calling out a lot of teachers are quitting. And 
I think it's behind the fact that every now and then it's announced that a student has tested COVID positive for COVID, uh, but they never disclose which school or what whoever the person is. They just say that if that if anybody came in contact with that person, they'll let them know. That discourages a lot of teachers. So in turn, you have a let's say you have 17 teachers out, but you only have five subs. So all those other classes that don't have teachers and don't have subs, they're relegated to go down to the library. <laughs> and then there are teachers in there that have library duty that gotta watch over them. So, you know, we have to understand, man, these, these children are going through a lot. I mean, when you compare what I went through in my childhood, and I'm older than you guys, and what you've experienced or either seen other people your ages experience go through, compared to what these children are going through, it's a lot. And what 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 frightens me is that I have seven grandchildren now and a great grandchild. And I'm thinking of, wow, what it's going to be like for them. So I have to point to them. Now, now the three oldest ones, I see them, but not on a, a, a regular basis, which I should connect with them more, but they just have a way of avoiding me. But the three young, no, the four youngest one and my new great-grandson, I'm going to be pouring into them, bro. I already made up in my mind when I see, because I haven't been able to connect with my grandson because of the, the health issues. When I see him, I already told his mom. I'm going to hold him up like Kunta Kinte father did. Behold, <laughs> behold, the only thing greater than yourself. And I'm going to do the same thing for my, uh, my great-grandchild. You know, we have to leave some type of, of legacy behind there because when you really look at all of this, all of this stuff is just part of generational curses. That's what it is. Sins of a father. Yes. Man. Yes. Yes. Because if, if, even if it ain't the sins of my father, it's the sins of his, his father, his father's, you know, trickle down effect. Trickle down effect. Well, let me read you some stats on depression in children. And it's kind of interesting because these stats I pulled are from uh, 2011, 2012. And this is way before COVID because I didn't want to pull 2018, 2019 because I was too close to that time period. So I'm going back before anybody even knew COVID really existed outside of my career field. The group that has ever been diagnosed with either anxiety or depression among children aged 6 to 17 increased from 5.4% in 2003 to 8% in 2007 and 8.4% in 2011 to 2012. So it doubled. 
uh, ever having been diagnosed with anxiety increased from 5.5% in 2007 to 6.4% in 2011-2012. Ever have been diagnosed with depression did not change between 2007, it was 4.7, and 2011-2012, it was 4.9%. I'm very curious, though, and I, I, I purposely didn't pull the stats because we already know they're off the charts. They, they've called a national emergency for mental health in children. It has been declared a national emergency. So that should tell you everything you need to know about what the stats would probably look like. Suicide is off the charts. It was very high going into this computer age we're in and Brother Rob and I spent quite a few Bible studies talking about the effect of social media. Now yes. you've got that one, what's yes. that one social media group, Brother Rob, where they're encouraging children to trash classrooms and most recently to assault a teacher. That's what? a challenge. That's, um, that's the, on Twitter where they have the challenges, like the ice bucket challenge. Uh. So they have the slap the teacher challenge which is the one you're referring to. This is on Twitter. Oh, no. <laughs> Man. They could, they, nah, they, uh, I ain't going to say they would never bring that up in our school, but you never know. Because you always got somebody that's trying. It's, especially when it's a fad. You know? Well, I think your school district wouldn't tolerate that. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> it, might, it might be a slap a student challenge. I'm telling you, I think, you know, they got a pretty good idea who to come up against and who not to come up against, you know. And like you said, it'll be a student on student, you know, because I don't think we've ever had that happen. We've had a, a fight happen and the security guard got hit, but that was my mistake. But, you know, these kids, man. And, and most of the fights have been girls. Wow. And, oh, the oh, over people, what? Girls over guys. Or girls over just jealousy. We had one, one girl was fighting another girl. Now, they were fighting over a guy. Then later on, this young lady was fighting. She was beating her boyfriend, her ex-boyfriend. I mean, stomping him. And how I know, because one of my students came up to me and said, Mr. Dow, look at this video. And I looked at the video, and all I saw her doing was, in the end, she just, bam, on his head. Ex-boyfriend. He an ex-ex now. <laughs> I'm sure he is. I'm sure <laughs> he know? stays away from her. Wow. <laughs> exactly. So it, it hasn't really been the boys so much. It's been the girls. I've only heard of maybe one or two boys. That's it. And they've been getting suspended. We had, let me see, yesterday? Was it yesterday? Yesterday. I think we had maybe seven or eight people return from suspension 
And I kept wondering every time I came down to the office, I kept seeing parents, parents, parents. Mr. 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 was in the meeting. All day, <laughs> all day, people returning back from suspension. <laughs> it was like, a, uh, you know how people would be sitting at a bus stop on the bench? That's how it was. I don't understand it, man. And, but in a sense, I do understand it because I understand everything that these kids are going through, man. Everything. Now they're how, going through triple what we went through. I I, I do believe that. Um, yeah. If you look at the topics we're talking about, depression being one of them. The next one we're going to open yeah. up is this COVID. Who I mean, yeah. pandemics only come around on average every hundred years. We're right, pretty much at that point now with this COVID nineteen, and it's it's very severe. How is, is. How, how are the kids? How do they view this COVID? How are they handling it? Um, what, what, what's, what's their take on this? I would have to say the majority of those that are really sticking to their guns are the ones that are really becoming educated. They're becoming educated not only about the COVID-19, they're becoming educated in their classes. They go to their classes. They, they, they stick to doing their work. They stick to doing their homework. But then you have those and they stick to wearing their mask. Then you have, of course, the other half. They walk around like it's nothing to it. Mask or down here, you know. All day long, security and myself and teachers. Pull your mask up. Pull your mask up up to your nose, man. Come on, pull your mask up up to your nose. Some of them will walk up to you and want to start a conversation and don't have any mask up. No, I'd be like, oh, 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 put your mask up. And then you got some that forget to bring a mask. So security always gives them a mask. But then, you know, you got these guys, they got girls chasing them, trying to chase them in the hallway. They masks fall out their pocket. They don't even know because I be scooping up masks left and right. <laughs> it's, it's something, man. It's something. It's a challenge, <laughs> though. And then you have to think about the fact that all of us teachers are getting tired of huffing and puffing behind those masks as well. You know, um, some of us go outside to, because we don't have a, a, what they call a, a timeout for mask. You have to go somewhere secluded or outside. You can't walk around with a mask, especially, and if you're staff, you definitely can't tell the students to put a mask up if you're not going to wear a mask. So the normal protocol when we were kids in classrooms, you have your teacher walk in to start class and they would have a cup of joe or tea with them that they would drink every now and then to clear, help clear their throat. Are they allowed to do that now or they can't even have a beverage in the classroom right now? Actually, they can come in early to have uh, um, breakfast. They get free breakfast, but a lot of them don't want the breakfast. And then a lot of them will come and get the breakfast, take it with them. 
But then when you walk down the hallway, you see somebody's milk on the on the floor. <laughs> somebody's, you know, and that's not often. But a lot of them don't want to eat the breakfast, and a lot of them don't want to eat the lunch. Now, what we have in protocol is you have to fill out a lunch form in order to get lunch. But a lot of them don't like to eat lunch, but they have to fill out a lunch form if they want a locker. That's the twist. You fill out a lunch form, you can have a locker and you can have lunch. If you don't fill out a lunch form, you can have free lunch. But they give it to them anyway. And sometimes we have, oh man, Fred, sometimes it pisses me off that we have an overabundance of lunch and the, and the ladies will tell them, say, we have seconds and nobody comes for seconds and they get rid of that. What's interesting is a lot of the poorer kids, you know, their taxes are going into paying for their children to have, you know, two meals, basically. I mean, that's, if you look at the amount of money that they would have yep. to pay on the outside for that same food. Yeah. You yep. think that the kids would be, you know, sopping it okay. up. But you know what the thing is? A lot of these kids don't know hunger. A lot of them are so spoiled. They're so used to eating out, you know, going out you know, calling this place what they what they do there, uh, they call the place to deliver the food. <laughs> they don't they don't eat at home, man. They don't. See, they used to that fast food stuff. That's why they all walk. You know, I and I'm talking about the women. I ain't talking about dudes. See, because dudes, dudes are all right. Dudes be bulking it up. But the girls, come on. And I'm and and we being honest, I'm there to teach. Okay. If I'm chastising a young lady about something she's supposed to do and she walking away from me like she ain't got no sense, I gotta look at that, walking away from me like that. No. I can't. And I, I can't. and I'm sure talking to um the young ladies is different than talking to the guys because it is. It another is. problem we have in our schools today or with our children in general is sexual predators exactly. on the rise. And it's not even exactly. the guys anymore doing it to male and female students. You got female teachers doing it too now. You do. See, I talk to them like they're my granddaughters. I can't talk to them like my daughter because my daughter's grown. I talk to them like they're my granddaughters. And I make sure that I'm never behind closed doors with any of them. Never. Make sure somebody's present, always. Because to me, they're, they're like my granddaughters because I wouldn't want nobody to treat my granddaughter different than the way I treat them. I Amen. want somebody to treat my granddaughter the same way with the, the utmost respect. Because you never know when these kids... See, I live in the area where I, I'm four and a half blocks from where I teach. So I'm seen by a lot of these students. And I don't never want it to be said 
you know what I'm saying? I wanted to be said something good or right about it because that's the type of legacy I want to leave behind. Image as a as a Christian man, I want to give them. Amen. You know, I had a close friend of mine who's a teacher up in um, Buffalo. Yeah. Who moved down to Tampa, and that's where I met him because we used to study kung fu together. So he was teaching in Tampa in a, and he's Caucasian male. Um, young at the time, and um, he was teaching in an inner city school, so it was a lot of minorities at the school, and he was very popular because he was a very nice guy. He kind of reminds me of the actor Chris Evans, just not as big. Chris Evans is a big guy. This guy was probably 150, 160 pounds, but had that Chris Evans-like look. Very handsome mm. young man. And he had a situation where he used to volunteer at an animal shelter, and one of his female students just happened to be there that day, look, her and her family looking to adopt her pet. And she saw him and went over and said hello, because that's one of her favorite teachers. And what happened was another young lady who didn't like this young lady either happened to be driving by or happened to show up herself and saw her standing there talking to her favorite teacher. Oh my God. And reported them. And they drug a wow. news crew showed up at his house <laughs> the wow. following Monday morning. Wow. And they drug him through the mud. He got arrested. He had to hire a lawyer to clear his name. It was such a big scandal over nothing that. <laughs> Yeah, he, he stopped teaching. He, he eventually cleared his name. He went back to Buffalo, but he never taught again. He went into a different career field. And it was a crying shame because he was an excellent educator. But being at the wrong place at the wrong time just was disastrous. So I understand, big brother, brother Daryl, how yeah. you feel. Yeah. I'm like, you know, even on the streets, when I see children doing something wrong, if I have to say, hey, hey, watch what you're doing or whatever else, because a child is about to get hurt, I do it so gently. I don't want nothing to be misunderstood. Why are you talking to my child? Da, 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 da. If you're going to fall off the skateboard, I'm going to let you fall off the skateboard. Now, if you're lucky about to fall off the skateboard and hit your head, different situation. <laughs> but if you're just going to fall on the ground and get a little bruise, I'm going to let you fall because I'm not going to try to catch somebody's child and somebody walk around the corner, what are you doing with my job? Exactly. And that's, this, this is a society exactly. we live exactly. in right now. I know, I know, I know. Well, you know, the other thing is, I would say that a lot of the kids are going home early because they're experiencing like either headache or, or stomach or whatever. And then some of them are just using it as an excuse to get out of school. But a lot of them are being sent home because of their temperature, because of uh, of the, the way they're feeling. And I think that is prompting a lot of them to want to get the shot if they haven't gotten it. So we have had quite a few students that have gotten the shot, but they didn't tell them. But then they would come to school and have to go home because then they were feeling the after effects so. So it varies, it varies, man. They, they, 
I think they deal with it better for themselves as long as somebody else in their family is not on their deathbed. You know what I'm saying? It's like if somebody in their family is on their deathbed, they're more concerned with that family member than they are with themselves. That's interesting. Well, here's yeah. some COVID stats. Um, zero to four years, and this is from the inception of the pandemic all the way up until uh, about the middle of this year. Uh, zero to four years of age, we've lost 202 young children. From uh, five to 18 years of age, we've lost 455. From 19 to 44 years of age, 27,871. Wow. 45 to 64 years of age, 150,900. And 65 to 74 years of age, 166,424. 75 and older, 391,022. For a total of 736,000. 874 as of 10, 27, 21. So I, I agree with you, uh, Brother Daryl, that, um, yeah, they may not be very concerned about themselves, but the thought as a teenager, and you love your parents, of course, you love your grandparents of possibly carrying that home and knowing, may, may having to know that you were the one responsible for killing Grandma Edna or losing your dad. Because we, we've seen it happen. You yes, see it all over yeah. the news, right? Yes. I, yeah. I can only imagine um, the stress it adds and responsibility because they can't be kids anymore. They have to be exactly. adults and handle exactly. this like adults. Exactly. It's them. a lot of them. But then some of them, some of them, it weakens them. You know, some of them, it strengthens them. I've seen it. I've seen them grow into that challenge. But then some of them just can't deal with it. I've, I've, I was in a position where I had to call students uh, based on they're not showing up online in their classes or showing up online with the camera on but not doing the work. And I would try to talk to the student before I talk to the parent. I would rather talk to the student instead of the parent. And there were so many of the, of the students that were telling me, Mr. Pope, this, this stuff is making me so depressed. I cannot concentrate. I cannot do this online. I'm not used to this. And I would just try to encourage them the best way I could. Now, some of them, I would say, are still in school. But some of them graduated. Some of them had to go to school to graduate. It all It's like the ball is in their park. But no, you said some powerful things there. I just wonder, are the students supporting each other or are they having discussions among themselves about what they're going through with the COVID crisis? You know, bro, uh, Ralph, I wish 
I would say in certain classes, because I know certain teachers like our history teachers uh, and our English teachers very well, I would say in certain classes, because I'm all around so much, I don't get to sit in, in those classes, but I truly believe that they are having some of those discussions because there have been times when I've walked into a classroom and they're having a worldwide uh, discussion or a, a statewide discussion or something about politics. Um, and I'm sure that's taking place. I wish I could spend time at the STEM school, then I would know even more because we have a STEM school, but it's like 50, 11 blocks from where we are. Smartest students ever, man. I tell you one thing um, in our township, every year since I've been there, we've amassed over 10 million plus in scholarships. I, I believe our last year, was over 22 million in scholarships. In 2020? Yes. Woo! Yes, yes, yes. Wait a minute, 2020. 20, this is 20, this is September 21, 2021. Yes, 2020 into 2021, yes. Over 22 million. And this is in the, <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic. So yes. that's, yes. you know, that goes to share, tell, tell, listener, that goes to tell you that yes. uh, educators, um, people like Brother Daryl are very serious about their commitment to teaching our children, taking care of them, protecting them. Because if you really think about it, the, you know, the educators and all the staff surrounding these, these men and women are extensions of us. We put it, our children in your care exactly and if we didn't trust you there is no law in the land that's going to force me to drop my kid off i'm sorry i, I would have quit and i would have had some homeschooling going on exactly <laughs> i i know there's a young lady at one of my sites i oversee who um homeschools her kids and she wasn't doing it because of covid she was doing it way before covid and on their national test that they still have to take they're in the top 10%. So whatever she's doing, she's doing it right. She gets audited on her curriculum and what she's doing as much as any school, if not more, since she's homeschooling, because everybody figures you can't do wow. it yourself, especially her, because she's a medical office assistant. She's not a PhD in education. She's, but right, this right. is something her and her husband sat down and decided to do. And whenever I see her from time to time, I, I'm always curious, how's it going? How's everything? How's the kids? You know, they, and, you know, she says they, they miss the social interaction. But with this COVID environment, social interactions is not the norm anymore. It's, it's, everything is abbreviated, uh, uh, some sort of abbreviate, abbreviated program because of COVID. And if it isn't, it probably should be. Um, listener, you've heard some of our, if you've heard some of our podcasts before, I'm a clinical laboratory scientist. I know a lot about this COVID, probably too much. And if, if I feared 
COVID getting into my domicile, I personally would tell you, be I would be concerned about my son catching it and bringing it home because I've always felt the children are a little more loosey-goosey in their uh, approach to this. But what are those kids who are have those loose practice practices emulating right. their parents? Exactly. Exactly. You said a mouthful. The apple mouthful. never falls far from the tree. I, I tell you what, gentlemen, I was afraid to fight in school because my dad, Mr. Green Beret, told me flat out, if you didn't, you know, if somebody picks on you, you tell the teacher. If you can't tell the teacher, you deal with it. But you will not start a fight because if you start a fight, I'm going to finish it with you when I come home. <laughs> and I'm looking up at this trained killer from the military going, uh-uh, yes, yes, sir, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Made a lot of sense. And I never fought unless I had to. And that was a I was praying he didn't he didn't find out when I got home. <laughs> so, I know that's right. Different time, a different time. But school violence is on the rise, uh, gentlemen. It's, it's sad to say that. I have some very interesting stats about um, school violence. Gun violence has really went down in our particular area. Excuse me, especially in the school, because um, I would say about a month or less ago, we had a shooting, but it was a former student getting shot by somebody that uh, was, they were like eh, maybe three blocks from the school. We haven't had a shooting around here in a while. Amen. Yeah, we haven't had no, no gun violence going on. Matter of fact, we've had gun violence campaigns because we have a brother here that has a program uh, that I'm involved with also. And we have uh, uh, um, against gun violence rallies. Well, listener, you can't see the stats that I just put up here on the screen for the three of us, but we're going to read some of those numbers to you to give you an overview of how um, active shooter uh, gun violence issues has increased in our country. From 1970, there was probably a little less than 25 um, school shootings in a year in the entire U.S. Now we're looking at uh, in 2020, about 150 to 165, looking at the uh, chart here that I'm looking at from Statistica 2021. It's That's a huge number. That's a very big number. You know, you may say, if you look at the amount of kids in a school today, that's not a big number. But when I hear about shootings occurring in schools, then that number becomes very big to me because I can only imagine, I, I'm a trained military retired person. I handle gun violence stressors much different than the average person. I've had guns put at the edge of my nose, 
in my lifetime. And I just blinked and said, okay, what you want to do? I don't feel a child should ever have to go through that in their lifetime as an adult, especially as a child, or definitely see a friend or coworker or a teacher get shot or see someone in their school even brandish a gun. It's, I just can't wrap my head around all the violence that's occurring right now. And yeah, we adults are responsible for it. Um, groups like the NRA, um, politicians, parents who are just not good parents, who just leave their firearms lying around unattended and not locked down well. What are, uh, and both of you, you could take turns. What are your thoughts about um, violence amongst young children today? It depresses me, man. Um, and the reason why it depresses me is because uh, they've displayed the fact that they have no value for life. Not even theirs. What do you think is driving that disposition towards, uh, you know, it's like this cold, I agree with you, this cold, morbid person that you're dealing with. What, what do you think is the biggest driver behind that? Well, I think it's a mix of things, though. You know, I would like to, and we kind of need sort of like a breakdown of where these shootings are coming from because, you know, you can, you can have one mass shooting that ticks that number up really high. I mean, fortunately, this year, I don't think we had a large mass school shooting that I can't recall or I can't, that I can recall. But, you know, you have a mix where sometimes you see the headlines are in, you know, urban cities like Chicago mm -hmm. where you're dealing with, you know, uh, students who are dealing with gangs, you know, that might be behind it. You might have your school shooter, which, you know, contributes to the numbers within one single incident. Um, but overall, I think the this whole thing with the way life is treated and the perspective on it, I think it really just comes from the society as a whole. You know, we, well, I think we ebb and flow, but, you know, in the past, like, 10 years, we've seen music or entertainment or video games where you know violence is glorified basically yes. you know yes, it's, it's listening you know especially if you're looking at the gang culture and you're seeing that you know you're seeing some students are gravitating towards that so you're seeing where you know at the end of the day you have a bunch of students who probably feel powerless across all levels or all aspects of their lives and one way to get quick power is to grab a gun and, you know, it's, they see it as, let's say, an intimidating solution. But, you know, they don't realize it's just starting more problems. So, you know, I think that's the big thing. And then you factor in COVID with that. You know, you had everybody cooped up inside. So, you know, some of these students went down as your chart shows. But, you know, they're going back up now. Now that we're exactly. back out again. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, it's definitely, um, but I think overall, it's really just, you know, our social you know, our social, our society and what we're saying as a society about guns. Um, right now, we're kind of in the society that actually advocates for what they describe as freedom to have a gun. And mm -hmm. when you associate freedom with gun possession, that's a very dangerous thing. Very you, know, you, don't, you don't need a gun to have freedom, you know, but that's kind of what's starting to become more of the narrative now that, you know, no one's going to, you, people are going to back down to you know mm -hmm. from 
if mm-hmm. you if you just have a piece on you. And unfortunately, that's not um, that's not always the case. You know, as the saying goes, live by the gun, die by the gun. And that's kind of what we're seeing with these uh, shootings. Well, listen, I'm going to tell you flat out right now, our, our freedom, the three gentlemen that you're listening, been listening to tonight comes from our love and passion for Jesus Christ. I don't even own a gun. And what's interesting is I'm, tr- I'm highly trained on them. Even up to this day, I can, I'm sure I can uh, dot a target as we used to say, but um I still, but people come up to me all the time wanting to talk about guns because they know I'm retired military. It is so funny to me because I don't even own a gun. So they're asking, what you, you heard about this latest piece here, this one, da, 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 da. And yeah, I still know the stats. I can still speak the lingo, but I don't own a gun. Don't want a gun. Don't need a gun. And, and somebody even asked me, well, what, what do you have in your armament? I said, I have my Bible. <laughs> <laughs> and the word of God, he sort of looked at me perplexed. I said, all right, let me put it into world language. If I need a gun bad enough because things have gotten that bad, I'm going to take someone else's. Thank you very much. So that's <laughs> 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 so it, it was a short, sweet conversation, but... Um, <laughs> I'm not concerned. I mean, when you have the blood of Jesus covering you, I'm not concerned about being shot, catching COVID, being ran over by a car, mugged. I'm not concerned about any of that. I yeah. mean, you, you can't. You can't call yourself a believer. You can't walk the walk. But yet, every time something goes boom or bang or happens, you're freaking out. The world freaks out. Because they don't believe, because they don't have Jesus in their heart. They don't have the Holy Ghost. They don't, they don't know the word. They're not consumed with the word. So you're consumed with the world. And Satan, while being utterly stupid, is very smart about causing chaos. And he knows if he wants to topple us adults, all he has to do is go after our children. And if you look at the world at large, Satan has put together a large, well-in-depth campaign on how to win our children over and keep them away from Jesus. But it's not Satan's fault. He's doing what he was designed to do. But (laughs) it's us if we allow him to do it. You know, Brother Durr, I always tell people, Satan to a believer is like a piece of lint. When have you ever walked around on the street and saw a piece of lint that deterred you from doing what you were doing at that moment? Never. Mm-hmm. I didn't say your house. I said on the street, a piece of lint. You won't even notice it. And to a mm-hmm. true believer that is walking in the power and the blood of Jesus, we will not take any notice, stock, trade, heat, or anything in Satan. Because our mm-hmm. steps are being ordered by the Lord thy God. Yes. Our Savior yeah. is Jesus Christ, who, who died for all our transgressions and sins. And we don't have to put up with Satan, not one iota, not one. He is powerless against the blood of Jesus. So yeah. I know, uh, Brother Daryl, you got to push on with probably your mission. And before you leave us, tell Brother Rob and all the listeners out there what God gave you <laughs> as a mission. To uh, actually, it. he's given me. Uh, it started out as a business. 
Um, I clean sneakers. Um, and I, I got it from my nephew in North Carolina. So I started cleaning sneakers during COVID. And I got so good at it. I cleaned all mine first. I cleaned the whole family. And then I started cleaning people's. And I was charging, you know, a pretty low amount. But then business started slowing down a little bit because when spring came, people were, of course, wanting to go buy them new sneakers. <laughs> so I thought, I said, you know, I was talking to somebody and uh, God sends people to you left and right, man, because he sent one of my brothers to me and we were sitting on somebody's deck at a cookout and we were discussing about sneakers and um, he was talking about I should do shoes and next thing I know, I decided that I was gonna, I was gonna ask people to donate their worn sneakers that are still in good condition, um, donate them to me, especially if they oh, they wore, they um, outwore them. In other words, their feet got big or whatever. Kids, teenagers, it doesn't matter. You donate them, I clean them, and I donate them and I give them to the uh, homeless and people that are in need. That's what Amen. I did. Wow. So I started it as a ministry. And at in my church, I took 100. I started it out by taking 116 pair down to my, my church. And I came back home with 14 pair. So I gave away 102 pair, all different wow. sizes. So I'm getting ready to do another thing now with, with my wife's old school, because you know my wife retired. So I'm getting ready to do something with her school. Um, maybe some of her old older um, um, students uh, by designing and painting. I'm, I'm in the process of cleaning sneakers now. So in November, I'm taking it down there and her fourth graders are gonna experiment with painting on them. And we're going to donate them and give them to the homeless, too. Colorful sneakers, you know, because when you look now, everybody's wearing colorful sneakers, different designs and everything. And I'm thinking, why not? Why not the homeless? Why not those who are in need? Because, you know, I remember when, when I was a teenager, man, there was a time when I only had one pair of sneakers and one pair of shoes, and I would always wear the toe out. And I would be embarrassed because I would cut out pieces of an album and put it in the bottom of my shoe to keep my feet from being wet. And I would go out and they would get wet anyway. And sometimes the, my sock, my sock would keep outside in the bottom. And I said, I, I know homeless people, I'm sorry if I'm crying, man, but hey. If I went through that when I was a teenager, I know homeless people are going through that now. Amen. You know, so I'm also getting ready to start doing shoes for the winter. Because that was my first job, a shoe shine boy. So I'm going to start shining shoes and giving them to the homeless and people in need. Amen. I'm getting ready to do uh, something for this brother and my job because he wants to take some back to his his country, I think uh, he's from Africa. And uh, yeah, 
the first few pair I do, I'm going to give them to him so he can do that. So any listeners out there, if you want to donate any shoes, please respond to any of our um, uh, respond to our podcast on any of the social media platforms that we're on, Podbean, which is where we shoot out of. We got Facebook, Amazon Music, Pandora. We have links on Twitter. We're on iHeartRadio, YouTube, and Tumblr. So I'm... Brother Daryl, I, I hey, thanks for coming on, Big Brother. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> thanks for having me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I can't bring it up right now, but I'm gonna send you my flyer. Okay, please yeah, do. I'm gonna send you a copy of my flyer. And no, I have it. The DBSG, you're always welcome to come back. Special guests come on from time to time. Um, feel free to come back and visit us and spend some time with us. It's, it's been a joy having you here. You are a true man of God. You're you one of the, you one of the first people I met when we were, uh, in school yeah. at, uh, AMTC, Actors, Models, and Talents for Christ, where we met yeah. as, as actors and we, we just... I, I, from the first time you I clear. saw you, brother, and I know men ain't supposed to say this, I love and admired you immediately because you, you so are much, a man bro. of great integrity. You Thank are you, someone brother. that I look up to and model, want to model myself after from the moment I met you. you I mean, you're very, you're strong, but gentle at the same time. And you don't find that in men. They're either extremely strong or extremely gentle. You don't find that both. And they, you know, they sort of, um, what, what's the word I'm trying to say, brother Rob? Compliment <laughs> each other, right? <laughs> but you have it, and that, that you, comes brother. from having a obviously a strong relationship with God. You are a man that's filled with the Holy Ghost, and I, I, I just love you for that. And thank you for everything that you do. I, I really thank appreciate you, it, and, and you, for our children. Thank you, thank you, you thank you, thank you, thank you. You will see me again. Well, what uh, we're going to do, we're uh, going to close out with a prayer. Um, okay. Rob, nice meeting you also, man. Nice meeting you as well. All right. You want so, uh, Brother Fred, you want to close us out with a prayer? I'm going to have yeah. Brother Daryl close us out with the prayer. I think that's a good, great Amen. idea. Amen. Gracious God, once again, God, we thank you for the opportunity to come into your presence. As you know, Father God, we thank you this morning for this day, Father God, and we thank you for this appointed time and this appointed Zoom call in the name of Jesus. See, God, we all gleam off of one another at one time or another because spirit knows spirit in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father God, for allowing me, allowing me to fellowship with my brother Fred and with Robert at the same time in Jesus' name. Thank you, God, for being a part of Zoom like you are a part of social media everywhere, no matter what. Jesus. We praise you, we honor you, we glorify you, and we lift up your holy name in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And that's yes. another episode of DBSG, the Discipleship Bible Study Group. Thanks, as always, for joining us, and please leave comments at our social media pages, as well as the uh, podcast sites, if you're able to. And again, thanks for our, to our special guest for uh, visiting us, and we look forward to having him again. To our listeners, have a nice day.
Goodbye. Goodbye.